You only have so much time. And you have a big assignment. I want the entire world to hear the gospel in my generation. I want every person on this planet to be saved. We open God's Word today together to be subject to it, to be taught by it, to be instructed. Let's go. What you're saying right now is, how did we get here? Well, because people do not believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, that's where it is. Yep. Being Reformed is more than just affirming the five solas. It's more than just affirming Tula. No one is outside the reach of Christ and His blood. If we are truly Reformed, there should be a sanctification, a desire to be sanctified by Christ, by holding onto as tight as we can the one who makes us white as snow. You can no more born yourself again than you born yourself the first time. Just so that you guys don't think we're just pulling stuff out of our cans here. What's going on? Welcome to another episode of Matter of Theology, the place where theology matters. Why? Because everything is a matter of theology. My name is Chris. I am one of your hosts. Uh, Matter of Theology is a podcast production where we seek to address church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint. Our desire uh, as a podcast is to bring biblical truths uh, to any issue that we're talking about, regardless of what the popular movements, governments, cultures, church planning networks that insist that white supremacy and CRT is prevalent but still call themselves reformed may say. Also, as well uh, as those which hold to golden calf church institutions that aren't biblical. <laughs> right. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> on behalf of, uh, of my brother who you just heard and my friend, Mr. Drew Vonita, thank you for tuning in uh, to uh, another episode. And we are back together. I've missed you, brother, um, and I'm looking forward to what we have uh, to chop it up today. So, man, how you been, man? What's going on? What's new? What's exciting in your world? Oh, well, you know, just same old, same old, uh, living the dream. Um, there you go. The question is, whose dream am I living? <laughs> That's the, always the hard part to figure out. That is true, man. But, uh, That's true. That, you know, trying to, trying to manage two small children, which is no easy task. Right. So, you know, it's a... Fun times, fun times, fun times, good times, good times. Yeah. So awesome, brother. Well, man, uh, we have uh, we, we've we, we've definitely uh, we, we, it's definitely been a minute since we have uh, been behind the mics and uh, and, and doing our thing. So, uh, but this is going to be a good one, man. I'm I'm excited uh, about this episode, and here's what we're talking about today. Um, and uh, brother, I'm going to tee this up. And for you, and uh, and then we'll just we'll just jump right in, man. Um, on May twentieth of twenty twenty two, at uh, roughly seven p.m. Eastern time, was that when it was? Yeah, um, you, uh, you you put this post on uh, on Facebook on the Fabo, yeah. as you call it. Yeah, I just pulled it up too, but it just says four days ago. So. Oh, okay, you know what? I guess it's election day, so 
right. You know what? Before before you get into okay, that, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. okay. I don't know if you see my latest Facebook post. I did. Okay, Stacy Yvonne Abrams. Every letter in her name's six six six. Okay, just uh-huh. there. You go. Vote for there Brian. You go. That's right. That's right. Look, I've got my sticker too. Um, so. <laughs> awesome i didn't see that i mean i'm just okay some people might not know i'm joking i'm i'm, right. I'm making fun of people who hold the six 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 is like that okay i'm making fun of you okay you're I'm gonna you're, you're gonna get the extreme dispies upset man you can't do that right. <laughs> the you extreme know, crack the faucet let it leak a little bit you'll be okay okay <laughs> Right, right. Um, so, uh, but, but brother, you, you, you posted this on, on Facebook. Okay. Quote, get rid of the youth group. I think you meant to say bring back, but you said ring back, right? You should probably edit that. Uh, I should probably just start proofreading before I have hit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you should. And, and you should make sure, as my wife would say, to use your girl eyes. Um, evidently, boy eyes don't catch that kind of stuff. That's what she says to me. When I'm looking for something, she's like, Chris, you could use your girl eyes. I'm like, okay, dear. Anyway, he, you said, get rid of the youth group. Bring back Wednesday night study. Have the kids with you Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. That way they learn how to act like mature adults and it will prevent churches from becoming youth group for adults, period, close quote. So, and, and, and with that, you also had this, uh, this meme uh, that, uh, and what we'll do is that we'll, we'll, uh, we'll put a link to this post in the show notes so you can see it. Um, but you have this uh, youth pastors on Instagram and it's these two guys with their mouths open. And this is what it says in there. It says, don't miss Wednesday night at the edge going to be lit games, pizza prizes, also pizza. If we get a hundred students, I'll shave my legs and blow up my car. <laughs> so, so, so man, I, I, I saw that and I read that and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> um, Drew, Drew, Drew's going in now. Little did, did you and I know that this this post was going to um th- this post was going to uh, elicit the response that that you saw that you experienced and that I observed um and um and then man you and I got the talk in and and so so we just we just wanted to talk this out um on an episode of matter of theology because this is a this is a matter of theology um this deals with with, with a lot and we're going to get into that so man what <laughs> What are some of your thoughts initially as we start uh, as we start talking about this? Yeah, man, it just shows the things that people cling to so tightly that they're unwilling to let go of. That they're they're yeah. not willing to think rationally about what's actually being said, and but instead they get in immediate defense mode. Mm-hmm. I've got to protect this thing. Yeah, and I've got to protect it because it's played a part in my life and therefore i must i must hold on to it i must i must grasp it and no one can rip this away from me mm-hmm. but w- what they're missing is what was relayed in the actual post that i made right so i mean and we can get into it i mean i've i've got it pulled up i think you got it pulled up mm-hmm. um, just some of the comments that were made but in in the initial post right there, there's a focus on two things. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's a focus on the kids and yep. then there's a focus on church, the modern church. Mm-hmm. 
So the kids teaching them how to be how to be mature adults who sit in church service. If you look out at the grander scope of evangelicalism, okay, you have a lot of kids. You know what? Let's just throw out evangelicalism. Let's just look at culture in general. Mm-hmm. You have grown kids who are just brats, right? They're adolescents that never grew up. Why is that? Because the youth group. They get around a bunch of other kids their age and they just goof off until you have to try to rein them in for a serious 15-minute talk and then you send them out again to goof right. off. And they never grow up. They never learn what it means. Now, this isn't... now. I'm speaking generally. Of course, there are exceptions. Okay? Absolutely. There's exceptions all over the place. Uh, places that, that do teach good theology, you know, that limit the games or, or the games are actually ha- play a part in the message. Um, I've seen that done. But by and large, it's, yes, really, we have. it's really nothing more than just another teenage social gathering where teenagers are just teenagers and they goof off and they never grow up. But when you have them with the adults in adult, in adult Bible study, adult service, they're learning the message the adults are learning. They're learning the Bible, and they're learning how adults sit, take notes, pay attention, and function like adults in a church service. What you're doing is you're discipling the youth at that point. That's a means of discipling. And what that also prevents is that prevents what, what I said at the end, churches from becoming youth group for adults. Okay. It prevents the things like the UGA Alabama rap battles on a Sunday morning for the NCAA championship, Andy Stanley. Okay. It prevents those things. It prevents things like sl- water slide baptismals. Right. Okay. What you're having to do is because you have people who haven't grown up because they've grown up in the church service, they've gone from youth group to college group to college and careers to young adults to young singles to young marrieds, and they never wanted to go to big church. And now they're forced to. And what do you have to do? You got to keep them entertained. And so you have to actually make church youth group for adults. So you've got to bring in Sunday at the movies where you're looking at all these secular movies and trying to pick out, you know, some kind of Christian meaning in mm-hmm. these movies from people who hate God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brother, let's let's there's so much there, man. And I know you and I've been chatting about this for the, you know, for the, at least Oh gosh! Well, since this happened, since since yeah. you know we were recording this on on May twenty fourth, twenty twenty two, so and for I four just, days, I was blown away. Just like I, uh, I still you know, am. Just I, how I, many people go? Oh, you post something like that, and they get upset. Now, what's crazy is a year or two ago, I posted something similar, yep. but I tagged a I tagged a a paper. Uh, it was like an essay to it about the problems with youth ministry, um, yep. and and how youth ministry developed and all stuff, and it was this history. Um, and, and, and the, basically the failings of it and the problems with it, no one said a word. Yeah. Post yeah. this all of a sudden blow up. Right. Well, and, and, and so there's, there, there, yeah, there, there's, I'm not surprised because, um, you know, re- recently I, I, Corey Asprey has been doing his ridiculousness again, uh, by, by saying that God is vulnerable. Um, that guy's just with, reckless, man. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. He is. And I, I had the opportunity to record a, a short interview uh, with Greg from the Deadman Walking podcast, uh, where we talked about that and we talked about Hillsong a little bit. And that, that's actually, by the time this episode drops, that will be available. Um, and, um, and so, you know, I, I, I put something on, on social media about that and about, this is one of the many reasons, one of a whole host of reasons why to avoid Hillsong elevation, um, and uh, Jesus culture, uh, Bethel passion, uh, people like that is just because they, they elevate these, these immature, unqualified people to lead these ministries. And, um, and, and, and then what the, the, this philosophy and this focus and this approach is adopted wholeheartedly by a whole host of organizations that give themselves the name church and all they're doing is they're focused on entertaining the goats instead of feeding the sheep. And to, to your post, um, specifically with the meme involved, it is focused on those student ministries that don't focus on the gospel, that don't focus on teaching. And, and when you and when you do that, and when you you know, th- there there have been churches that I've been a part of, and I and I want to I want to stop here and say this: both Drew and I, both Drew and I, come from a background of working in student ministry. Ladies and gentlemen, this is something we've done. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is, I, I've been the guy playing the secular songs. I've been the guy playing the games beforehand. I've done that. Okay. I, so, so when, when we're talking about this, we're not talking about this from a place of we're high and mighty, we're holier than thou, and we're looking our nose down at people who are involved in student ministry. That's not it at all. Right. Here's the question that we're asking Is it biblical? Right. To have age segregated ministries in your church. And if you're going to have them biblically, how do you do it? That's the whole question. And, and, and that's one of the things you highlighted. And here's the thing, man, when, when you have, and I love the way you worded that, you worded that from something MacArthur said when he talked about these churches like Elevation, like Passion, like Hillsong, um, and so on and so forth, these churches specifically that have a hyper-focus on the entertainment value of what they do, it's got to look good, it's got to be flashy, we got to have smoke machines, and we got to play, if we're talking about hell, we got to play highway to hell beforehand, and et cetera, so on and so forth. It's it's those places, and, and here's what happens when you end up focusing on entertaining the goats, you have people that don't love the church like they should. They love the program. They love the program. They don't love the ecclesia. They don't love the church. They love what the church can do for them. They love how the church entertains and meets their felt needs when that's not the purpose of the church. That's not the purpose of the church. So that that was your, your whole point. It's just like, look, bring back Wednesday night study. Bring back a time when you come around the word of God and that you are reverently approaching the throne of grace through the word, through the, the singing of the word, the praying of the word, and the teaching of the preaching of the word. And, and, and your focus is on God and praising and worshiping God in spirit and in truth and not having your felt need. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And one. In a couple of the comments, one of the things I said was, well, it's not biblical. We don't see in scripture where we're told to do this. Right. But also another point that I was making that no one wanted to address. Well, some people tried to address it later, but it still kind of fell short was the fact that it's not necessary. 
Okay. Right. Just because it's not, it's not biblical. Okay. You can't find it in scripture. So we're going to the normative principle, right? Okay. Right. But is it necessary? If yep. it's not necessary, we don't need it. And I got into some of the arguments about why it's not necessary mm-hmm. because of how the church should function biblically. So well, not just how the church should function, but how the family should function. Family should function. That's right. So um, <clears throat> it was so funny because uh, one of the comments was, I don't see in scripture where it says, hey, parents, you're supposed to be doing this. And I was like, uh, Proverbs 1, 8, 9, Ephesians 6, 4. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah. it's in there. <laughs> Yeah, but, it sure is. So we don't, but in scripture, we do not see um, a place where it teaches the idea of age segregated ministries. We can nope. make the argument that there are gender separated ministries, right? Older mm-hmm. men disciple younger men. Right. Titus. Older women disciple younger women. Right. Mm-hmm. Titus. But what is that? Hey, that's a pastoral epistle that's telling you how the church should function. Go figure. But so, so, and another one of the arguments that someone brought to me <clears throat> offline was that, well, if we get rid of this, well, then are you saying we also got to get rid of men's ministries and women's ministries? Well, no, that's no. not what I'm saying. You can get rid of this other thing. And actually you can, you can take this and you can incorporate it in the men's and women's ministries by the younger people, by the younger men going and being discipled by the older men. Why? So that they look like, or, or so that they learn how to be mature Christian men. Mm-hmm. And you can take the the younger women, have them be discipled under the older women so that they learn how to be mature Christian women, so that they learn what it means to be a godly wife, so that they learn what it means to be um, uh, a, a godly woman uh, or even single woman. You know, what, what, what do these things mean? How, what is the best way to raise kids one day when I have them? You know, it, the you can talk about what it, whatever it means to be a man or a woman in those different things. So you don't need youth ministry for that. In okay. fact, here let's do a thought experiment. Okay, you and me, just you and me. Let's do a thought experiment. Okay, all right, all right. Nobody else. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> let's say we've got we've got uh, two positions. Okay, we've got the youth ministry where you have. Kids of the same age coming together, boys, girls, same age coming together right. on a typical Wednesday night. These jokers in this meme are leading. Okay. You've got the pizza, you've got the games, the guy shaving his leg, blowing up cars, yada, yada. You've got that. Okay. Chances are with that, you're going to have a watered down message or <laughs> no message at all. Then you've got a, a, another, another ministry. You've got older men discipling younger men. Older women discipling younger women. Out of the two groups, which do you think is going to mature mentally and physically at a higher level and faster rate? Depends on what type of mathematics we're using. Is it two plus two equals four or it's fluid? Because if we're using two plus two is four, the obvious answer is the discipleship that's taking place. Men, older men discipling younger men, older women discipling younger women, et cetera, so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, well, the, the thing is, is it, it really can't be fluid. It has to be two plus two equals four. Correct. Correct. Because, and it has mainly, it has to be two plus two equals four because scripture only gives one Thank of those you. examples. Yeah. And this goes back to what you were saying as far as regulative versus normative. 
Mm-hmm. Right. A pastor came up to me one day and asked me, Chris, are you regulative or normative? And at the time I was really searching the scriptures. Uh, that was the Lord was confronting me with that. And I said, you know, I really, the more I studied the scriptures, I think the only obvious answer is I have to be regulative. Mm-hmm. And this pastor said, that's disappointing. Yeah. Quote unquote. And, you know, it, it's, it's, that's not okay. Right. We are not called commanded or given license according to the scripture to to rewrite that guy really sounds this dude wears star wars pajamas and lives in his mom's basement that's what that guy sounds like he sounds like he wears star wars pajamas and lives in his mom's basement youth group for kids or youth group for adults anyway um i mean because i'm sorry justin myself you know we just we have to reach people in our generation you know, oh, that's right, gotta, man. You got to get yeah. rid of and shake off the old, you know, the traditional. You know why? Because it doesn't work. Those churches mm. are shutting down. Yeah, they're not. They're by not the growing. way, right. yeah. By the way, uh, to our listeners, it's a little tongue in cheek because that's the same pastor um, that who said, said that. Yeah, actually said those things. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you, you it, th- this ultimately comes down to what is written in Scripture, right. um, and. And and too often, I think today, and 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 one of the things that you and I have seen, and 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 brother, I'll, I'll be honest here. One of the things that I've struggled with personally in letting go of, mm-hmm. just because something works in your eyes, doesn't mean it's God's prescribed way that it should be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about that. Does it work? The the idea of just because it works. Okay, according to who? Does it work? Because right. the interesting thing is that there are youth ministry advocates who have done research and study and written papers that say it's failing. It actually doesn't work, and therefore it needs to be reformed. So they write these books on how to reform youth group right. because the model's failing. Right. So people, people, and that's the thing, man. Everyone was saying, well. You know, it helped me and this experience and that experience and this person and that person's okay, but we don't live by experience. Right. Okay. So experience and feels does not equal truth. Right. That's not the standard. Okay. So because someone invited you to a youth group so that you could have some kind of experience, you know, some some cathartic experience, that doesn't mean one that probably doesn't mean that you even heard the gospel there. You just liked what was going on, but also why wasn't, why didn't that person give you the gospel when they ran into you? Why didn't they teach you about Christ? Well, and again, man, we got to make sure um, we got to make sure that we're not. And I said this to you a couple of days ago, uh, or actually yesterday, we have to make sure that we're not reading our framework, the framework of our experiences, the framework of our opinions, the framework of our feelings into what we see in scripture. Right. We have to make sure that we are gleaning our framework in every, in all matters as, as pertaining to life and godliness, the apostle Peter said, from the scriptures, from the scriptures. We have to make sure all the time. This is something I'm constantly trying to remind myself of and wanting to, to, you know, keep the filter clean as far as what am I reading my framework, my preferences, my experiences, my, you know, the things that struck a chord in my heart and my emotions and et cetera. 
am I reading those things into the scriptures or, or, or just going, well, because it worked and I quote unquote, I felt like God did this, I, you know, God saved this person, God saved that person. He wouldn't have been able to do that apart from this. That's incorrect. Right. That's incorrect. But a low it, view of God's sovereignty. Absolutely. That and and this brother, this goes back to what I have been talking about and saying for for a while now is the the anemic view that many many inside, especially the church in, in the Western Hemisphere in, in in America, the anemic view that we have of God, and we show how anemic our view of God is by how how anemic our view indeed is according to the scriptures. Yeah. Because, you know, hey, look, Chris, back off of Corey Asprey. He's just immature and God can still use those songs to encourage people, to save people. Okay, no one's saying he can't. I'm not trying to limit what God can do. If his word goes out, even one single solitary jot or tittle, God, the Holy Spirit wields the sword of the word and will save his elect. Ephesians 1. We have to remember this. Ephesians 1. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love by predestining us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he graciously bestowed on us in the beloved. That's Ephesians 1, 2 through 6. So we have to know, and, and, and Jesus even said in John that, that all whom the Father gives to me, I will, I will not cast out all of the elect, all of them will be saved by the Trinitarian monergistic work of salvation that can only be executed by God, not us. We don't decide to do something just because we blow up a car or shave our legs or, hey, if you, whoever brings the most guests tonight gets $100, gets a gift card, it's an Xbox. Just because someone comes. Those are real examples, by the way. So it's, it's just because. Just because someone comes and then if you in your frailty and me and my frailty and my flesh and my weakness, my foolishness, share the wonderful power of God through the gospel of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord saves one of his elect through that, praise be to God. That doesn't mean I was pleased by the manner in which I did that because it was not according to his word. Those the Lord still worked because he's faithful to his promises, even when we are faithless. So we have to remember that just because something works in our eyes doesn't mean it lines up with God's prescribed method of how it's supposed to be. And it doesn't mean like, like if we use that kind of logic, bro, like if we did, then it would be okay to go to Joel Olstein's church, Right. It, it, it's okay to go to, you know, to Andy Stanley's church, to Giglio's church. It's, it's okay to, to, to listen to Stephen Furtick say that he is God almighty, because if by chance he shares the gospel and the Lord saves one of his elect out of elevation, then oh, that this means it's okay. The Lord's doing it. That is, that is a, that is a, a one, one slip into full-blown antinomianism. 
That is, that is embracing the downgrade of pragmatism and sentimentalism that is, is absolutely destructive. And it, 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 all it does is open wide the door to apostasy. Yep. That's what it does. God gave us a book. What? And I'm going to ask this question rhetorically because I know the answer. Why do we go against it? Because we love our pride, because we love our sin, because we love our flesh. That's why we go against it. But just, just because something works, quote unquote, where you think, well, I mean, the, the, the Lord wouldn't have saved my son without youth ministry. That's not true. If your son was meant to be among, is among God's elect, his name is written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. He was, as Paul said in Ephesians 1, predestined to be adopted as a son through Jesus Christ to himself. It doesn't matter it, 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 no, that's not true. You can't, you can't use that excuse. You can't. Now, look, I'm going to pause there. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you're really getting into and what it describes is we talk about it often on this show is, is not believing in the sufficiency of scripture. That's it. Because one of the, one of the things that I posted to someone was, do you believe the scriptures are sufficient or not? And basically what came back was, yeah, but yeah, it's but. okay if we need, to ha- we need to add something, right? Oh, gosh. We need to add this thing in order to draw people in. Things aren't the same as they used to be, Drew. Those, those places are failing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and that's really the ultimate question. Is scripture sufficient or not? Because what ultimately you, I saw in a lot of these comments was not the discipleship aspect. It was touched on, but that wasn't the focus. The focus and what everyone really came back to was youth group as evangelism. It was a big party as evangelism. A, te- a teenage party at a church for evangelism is basically what just about youth group is today. We got to bring them in so that we can give them whatever that's right. superstition yeah that's superstition mm-hmm. it's it is that, that that's exactly what that is like i, I think of uh, i just pulled up the quote from thomas watson where our reckless love reckless worship take two when, when watson said quote superstition is bringing any ceremony fancy or innovation into god's worship which he never appointed mm-hmm. it is provoking god because it reflects much upon his honor as if he were not wise enough to appoint the manner of his own worship yeah. <laughs> Very close quote. Do we do God needs our help? Uh, no, he doesn't. He chooses to use depraved, wretched sinners. He saves them. He adopts them. He gives them all the rights thereunto. And then his, his, the primary means of grace that God uses to build his church is his word, not you. That's right. The primary means of grace that God uses to build his church is his inerrant, infallible, and sufficient word. The law, the testimony, the precepts, the commandment, the fear of the judgments of Yahweh is what the Holy Spirit wields to use it to use it to build Christ's church, not us. That's right. And and when we when we seek to prescribe methods in 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 in, in the church and <laughs> It's going against the commands of our King. Right. And look, I'm saying that from a place. Look, I've done it. I've done it and had to repent of it. Okay, go ahead. 
Yep. Well, let's let's get into that because one of the conversations I had was about the idea of pragmatism, pragmatism right. in the church. And what came back was, okay, well, then you should stop doing your podcast. You should quit going to <laughs> conferences. You should quit doing this, that, and the other. Okay. Here's the difference. Okay. Matter of theology is not a church. Matter of theology is not a church. It's not an institution of the church. No. It's just two guys getting together to discuss theology. <laughs> you can listen. You can not listen. Yeah. Okay, we, we don't, don't care. push your arm. We're not, nope. saying, we're not trying to coax you in by saying, if you get a, a hundred listeners to listen with you, then you're going to get a pizza or an Xbox. <laughs> like We're not doing that, that dumb stuff. Okay. But these youth groups are an institution of the church. Yeah. What for? In order to draw in other teenagers. And now, because <laughs> I didn't talk about this, but this just, you know, what do you see with a lot of these traditional boring churches that are dying? They're filled with old people, those wretched Baptists, you know, they're just filled with old people, right? And if we want our church to last, we need to get young people in there. How do we get young people? We give them what they want. We got to give stuff that appeals to them. We got to tone the lights down, right? We got to make the music like a little bit bumping. Okay. You're what a simple-minded view of God and his word. Yes. Sorry. Go ahead. Yes. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go further. I'm going to say what a blasphemous view of God and his word, because that's what it is. Yeah, that's what I'm that's saying. That's saying, yeah, yeah. You were too nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause, cause what it's saying is it's saying, okay, I have God's word. Here's what it says, but I'm going to ignore all that stuff. Because I think I can attract a whole lot more people if I do something like close down the church on a Sunday and go meet in a park so that we can, you know, draw a lot of people and advertise um, our presence out in the park. No, that's, that's not what you're commanded to do by scripture. And look, and we don't have it all together. And, and, and I don't know there are going to be people that listen to this that think, you know, uh, well, Chris, you do this or you've done that or Drew, you've done this or you've done that. Okay, good. Yeah, we have. Uh, we're not we're we're not perfect, nor do we think we are. Our, our desire is to be holy as God is holy, and will we wrestle with that and stumble over our own two feet? Definitely. But look, this this is something that this is approaching the scriptures in any other way other than what is prescribed is idol worship. It's altar worship. It's idol worship, and it's 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 it's. The question I'm not, is, why, I'm why not is, saying. Go ahead. But why is God's word not enough to people? That's, uh, that's the question yeah. I want to beg people to answer. Why is it not enough? Did you know that the most frequent sin seen and mentioned in the Old Testament is idolatry? Mm -hmm. It's idolatry. And um, well, that's what, just, just take ahead. the Ten Commandments, okay? The Ten Commandments mm -hmm. um, are basically commandments of worship. And so to break the the Ten Commandments, any one of the Ten Commandments is a form of false worship. It's yeah. a form of idol worship. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, W. Robert Godfrey, uh, teaching fellow with Ligonier Ministries. He's phenomenal. Um, he said this, quote, people come to church wanting an experience and seeking the kind of music that gives them the kind of experience and feeling thereafter. It's not that experiences and feelings all, are altogether wrong, but it, if my main reaction to the experience of worship is how I feel in response to the music, and I'm going to stop there and add 
the youth group, the pizza, the blowing up of the car, the Xbox, the gift card, the money, whatever it is, I've been distracted from Christ. I've not really been drawn to him. I think you could make an argument for many in the modern church, that many in the modern church music movement have become, I'm sorry, excuse me. Let me back up and start that sentence again. <laughs> I think you could make an argument for many in the modern in modern church music that modern church music has become a new sacrament and they think they can find God through the music. Like I, I want to also add everything else I just said there. Like um it, it's it's just not needed, man. And, and I think about this, this is a question. This is a question that I always asked because I had, man, I had, there was a church I was uh, contracted at to lead music and uh, they, they wanted me to play. And I have look, and, and I told you this, I've played secular songs on, on a Lord's day morning. I've played stars by switchfoot. I, um, uh, I, I told you a very embarrassing story of, <laughs> of a song I played at a, at a church once it was a Justin Timberlake song. Um, and it was, uh, it was, but it's it bad. And, and afterwards I felt awful. I did. The, the Holy spirit was convicting me. My conscience was convicting me based upon what, what I saw uh, in the scriptures. And from that moment forward, I didn't do it anymore. Came to, came to, you know, a, a very heated conversation between a guy here locally who just was like, well, you know, the reason we want to play those songs in church is because, uh, you know, and, and do this and this approach and this pragmatic approach to this is because the next time when people hear that song or think about that game or or think about the Xbox that they got is they'll think about church. And my response is, no, they won't. Oh. <laughs> no, they won't. Are they going to think about the life, death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins that, that, that brought about by Jesus Christ, our Lord? Are they going to think about the fact they need to repent of their sin? Is that going to remind them of that? Really? Let me ask you a question. Where is God's word in that? Where is the gospel in that? Where is the admonition in that? Where is the exhortation according to the scriptures in that? It's not there. Yeah, just because a song's named "Stairway to Heaven" doesn't mean it's biblical. <laughs> well, and absolutely. Well, and brother, here, here's here's another question, right? Here's another question for for student ministries and 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 not out there alike. Why would you take the time, the precious commodity of time, and it for anything other than the proclamation of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Why? Life is a vapor, James says. Why? Ephesians says that we need to make, make, make the most of the time that we have because the days are evil. Why would we want to spend the time? Look, okay, you have a student ministry. Okay. All right. I don't think scripture prescribes that. And I think that that is going against what's prescribed. Um, am I going to vilify you? No. Are we vilifying those who truly are believers? Those those qualified men who are called, who are in worship or a, a youth pastor positions, who who have been tested. They they put they they possess the character, the conduct, and the didacticos, the ability to teach. If they're in a student pastor position, are we vilifying that? No. All we're saying is check your heart and check the motivation and check the scriptures. That's all we're saying. And if you're going to do that, don't waste it on games. Don't waste it on lip sync battles. Look, those are fun. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I laughed hysterically. I've, I've done that. I've been a part of it. Laughed hysterically. I ran sound for it, for crying out loud. Bro, I did Amish paradise, man. I know. <laughs> like an Amish like, person. I, I've, I've been there. Okay. We've done that. But 
why? And this is a question I'm, I'm, I'm asking myself now. Why wouldn't we take the time, take the time to unpack the scriptures instead of saying, oh, we're going to teach through a book of the Bible. Oh, tonight we're going to do Ecclesiastes 7, chapter 7 through 8 or 7 through 9. We're going to do three chapters of Ecclesiastes in 40 minutes. No, you're not. You're doing a book summary at that point. You're not wringing the towel of the scriptures. You're not mining the depth, mining the depth of the well that is the scriptures, the richest jewel that Christ has left us. According to Thomas Watson, you're not doing that. You're like, oh no, we got to get energized and engaged and get the energy out. Well, to your point earlier, then what? Then what happens on the Lord's day morning? When they go and, and hopefully they're singing rich psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and then they're observing the Lord's table. You know, there was a brother just today that asked a question on Twitter and he tagged me in it. Like, what do you think about um, doing the, the Lord's table communion weekly? And, uh, and, and, a, and a faithful brother, uh, a faithful brother said something to the effect of, uh, we do it weekly because that's what's prescribed in scripture, along with singing and preaching and praying and pray the word, sing the word, teach the word and absorb, uh, you know, observe the Lord's table often. And, um, and then some other people had some other opinions and, and it was a great conversation. But one of the things this guy asked, he's like, well, you know, but people approach the Lord's table in just such a haphazard way when it's done weekly. And I'm like, well, you know, my and Twitter's limited. You know, you have a limited number of characters, and there was so many, so much I wanted to say, but I'm not a pastor. And but one of the things I was thinking about is people do that anyway. They approach the Lord haphazardly when it comes to singing of the Psalms and hymns. You, know, you look, look at the majority of contemporary churches today. If you said, okay, open your hymnals to page 348, or hey, we're going to sing, "My worth is not in what I own," or "He will hold me fast." just with a piano or just with an organ or just with an acoustic guitar. What, what happens? People drift. They're bored, quote unquote, with church. Why are they bored with church? Well, because if they grew up in a student ministry since the year, since the late nineties, early two thousands, they've constantly been entertained. They've had their felt needs met. There's no reverence. There's no, there's no, there's no respect for the pulpit. Right, it's the same in the same vein that pastors can get up there and say, "Well, we have to we have to do it our way for our generation." You know, it's the same pastors that get up there and cuss from the pulpit and make lewd jokes from the pulpit because I've got to keep people. I got to yell, rah, I got to entertain. No, you don't. They dress. Sorry, like I'm I'm rambling. <laughs> so I know I've said a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, one of the things if you want to know what a youth group for adults is, just look at how the pastor dresses. Okay. Look at how Stephen Furtick dresses. Tell me that's not a youth leader. Look at Levi Lesko. Okay. Yeah. Dude, ripped jeans, leather jacket, just, you know, look at Michael Todd, the antics he does. Oh my gosh. Don't I mean, get me started. <laughs> I mean, golly, man, nothing's going to attract a crowd like spitting in a guy's face. You know what I'm saying? That was so disgusting. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, let's get into, let's really get into some of the meat. Uh, okay. Why we don't, we, okay. So we don't need the youth ministry, the youth group. How should we function then? What should be taking place as it pertains to proper ecclesiology and the family? Repeat that question. Sorry. Okay, so we've gotten away. We've made the statement. We've made the argument. Youth group is unnecessary and it's unbiblical. Okay, so now we get rid of it. Now, what do we do as it pertains to proper ecclesiology 
and the family. What, how, did, how is that supposed to function? How long do you have? <laughs> our, it's our show. show. <laughs> do whatever we want, right? Right, right. Um, so, uh, well, let's start with, um, what do you want to start with? Which one first? Let, let's start with ecclesiology. Okay. Let's start with the pastor. Okay. The elders. Because um, it, it helps with the flow. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, first of all, um, there are a lot of youth ministries that are led by youth ministers, and I mentioned this earlier, who are unqualified, mm-hmm. um, whether it be in character, conduct, or their ability to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me back up. They're unqualified. You know, you know what that makes me think of? The Hillsong documentary, yeah. Carl Lentz. That's yeah, Carl Lentz. That yeah, that, that's I was I could see it in my head. So, the, they're unqualified in their doctrine, which informs their character and conduct. And then, if they're they're unqualified there, um, their their ability to teach is going to be subpar. It's it's not going to be according to the scriptures. It's not going to be a gift that they've been given and that they possess. Um, so if you're going to have, listen, if you're going to have some sort of age segregated ministry, because I, you mentioned this in, on this post, Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California, John MacArthur um, and his team of solid elders, they have um, student ministry. Now that student ministry, I'm not sure when they meet or how they meet, um, but I do know that the guy leading that ministry is Dr. Austin Duncan. Um he has shown himself to be qualified in all of those things I just mentioned. Um, and they approach it in a way where, again, I've seen videos of it. I've talked to people who have been there. So they approach it in a way where it is all about the word of God, as, as you would expect a ministry under, under the leadership of Dr. MacArthur for 50, going on 54 years now would be. Um, from an, ecclesi- from an ecclesiolo- ecclesiological point of view, excuse me, it should be, uh, I mean, on the Lord's day, uh, the kids are, are in the service. They're in the gathering. They are, um, they, they're, they're seeing their parent or parents sing heartily, mightily, um, in truth with their whole spirit. They're observing this. They are, obs- and, and, and that will bleed over into the family, which we'll get into in a second. Um, and then they 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 sit during the preaching. Um, I know at Praise Mill Baptist Church in Douglasville, Georgia, Dr. Josh Bice um, and his elders do a wonderful job at modeling this. Um, they have kids, the kids uh, in the, the the service for the singing, uh, and then the very very young, I mean very young kids. He gives them an opportunity to be dismissed, um, and and they go to they go to a, a children's church. Um, where it's a qualified man, qualified man. Let me specify that. And let me stop here and say this. Anytime the ministry of the word of God is being proclaimed and taught in the church, it has to be by a qualified, called, and confirmed elder. Please hear me when I say that. Chris, does that mean you think that a women's or a, a children's director or minister should not be a woman. Yes, it does mean that. Well, 
Well, where do you see that according to scripture? Well, I see that according to scripture in the fact that in Titus, Paul's instruction about women is for the older women to instruct the younger women in how to serve the Lord through loving their husbands and loving and raising and discipling their kids. But when it comes to the ministry of the word of God, that needs to be done by a qualified man. Um, Period. Chris, does that mean you think that a woman should not be leading music on a Lord's day gathering? Yes, it does. Do I, I don't, I don't see a problem with it. According to scripture, if someone's singing on stage, it's a woman. No, that's not a problem at all, but leading the services, planning the songs with the pastoral staff, that should be a qualified elder that does those things. So um, I don't know if that answers your question. Um, I I would say, go ahead. Well, I mean, we can simplify it just a little bit. So of kind of what's going through my mind of- Yeah, I did complicate it, sorry. Because what you should be having is you should be having the pastor and elders teaching and instructing the parents, right? Yes. In, In proper doctrine, theology, okay? The gospel and holiness. Correct. And then the parents are to in turn teach that to the children. That's why Ephesians chapter six teaches them to raise up the children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's a charge to the parents. It doesn't say hand them over to the unqualified uh, youth who's you know two years out of youth group himself. Okay, it is the parents' job to instruct and raise their children. Mm-hmm. Now, some people don't know this, but uh, John Knox, the Scottish reformer, mm-hmm. what John Knox would do is John Knox, uh, the people that would sit in his service, it would be parents, you know, the adults and their, and their kids. John Knox would preach his service to the adults. And then once it was done, He would have the kids come up front and he would preach the same service, but on their level. And what he's doing is he's teaching the kids the same thing, but he's also teaching the parents how to relay the information to the children on their level. That's good. Yeah. But now parents, it is your job to raise and instruct your kids in the Bible. So that means you should be having family devotion, family worship catechisms okay now a lot of times these youth groups function in place of the parents but we don't do it at home you know our schedules we got travel ball we've got you know work and this and that and the other thing and by the time we get home oh we're just too tired and look i'm guilty of this as well i'm absolutely okay but our job is to instruct our family Okay, it's not my job to hand my kid over to some other kid to -hmm. teach my kid. Mm -hmm. Okay, about the things of God. That's why I'm my children's father. Right. That's my job. That's my duty. That's right. And so for me to neglect that is to say that God in his word has made a mistake and I don't need to do that. That's not my job. Because it's hard, right? Right. It's, it's hard. You mean I got to read? Like I got to study some of this stuff sometimes? You mean, 
I can't just come home and sit and loaf on the couch and watch TV and, you know, and just fall asleep. Like I've actually got to do something. Right. right. It's your, yeah. I mean, it's, heaven you, forbid you, you turn off the TV for 20 <laughs> minutes, you know? Right. <laughs> Well, you mentioned, you mentioned Ephesians, um, Ephesians six, you know, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's, uh, you know, um, James chapter before you get in there real quick, the chapter before that chapter five talks about the man's role with his wife and that he should be covering her with the word, showering her with the word. Mm -hmm. So who is the primary teacher of the wife? Husbands. Who's the secondary teacher of the wife? The pastor. Why? Because the husband and wife have that relationship, that intimate relationship where the husband should be leading and guiding the wife, right? right. The pastor's not married to, to your wife. That's your wife that you have come in covenant relationship with, and you have been charged by God to lead your wife. And then he, the Lord blessed you with children. Why did he bless you with children? So that you could grow up godly children in the instruction of the Lord and then send them out to get godly spouses and raise godly children and repeat the process. It's and repeat. Right. Um, right. right. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. It's, it's not, um, the, it, it's not the, it's not the church's responsibility to disciple your kids. Um, husbands, it's not the church's responsibility to disciple your wives. It's yours. Um, if you're a you know a, a single mom or single dad, same thing applies to you. That responsibility falls on you to disciple your kids, that to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord to uh, to teach them. Right, the the Great Commission: Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all I've all I've commanded you. Brothers and sisters, our our our, our closest neighbors are those in our house. What are you doing to disciple them and discipline them? Not discipline them. Let me back up. But what are you doing to disciple them? What are you doing to wash them with the pure water of the word? How, how are you doing with that? How am I doing with that? That's a, that's a valid question for all of us to ask and understand that we will be uh, parent husbands. You will be um, uh, 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 we will back up. All of us will appear before the judgment seat of Christ one day, all of us. And we will be held accountable for what we did with the time that we had and those in our charge and care, amongst other things. What did you do with them? What did you do with that time? How did you redeem that time to the glory of God? How did you disciple them? So how did you put the word before them and allow the Holy, not allow, but, and then the Holy Spirit wields that sword, the sword of the word of God to conform them more and more into the image of Christ, all while he's doing that to you. We, we, we see a, a gross neglect of that. And that's one of the reasons that youth groups have exploded. That's one of the, one of the reasons. Uh, we've already talked about entertaining the goats. We've already talked about the pragmatism. But you know, we, we have to understand that that's our responsibility as parents. That's our responsibility. Husbands, that's your responsibility. Wives, it's, it's your responsibility to wash your husband with the water of the word, to serve him according to the word of God, to not just be a, not, not, I'm not saying be a doormat. I'm saying, no, when it comes to an opportunity where he may need to be admonished, you put the word before him and allow the word to do the work. 
again, I go back to what I said beforehand, the primary means of grace that God uses to, to save and to sanctify in all of our lives is the word of God. Uh, this, I love this quote by A.W. Tozer, you know, going back to the conversation um, as far as the, the entertainment driven, the pragmatism, the, some of the arguments that we saw in your post, but listen to this quote by Tozer, quote, it is now common practice in most evangelical churches to offer people, especially the young people, a maximum of entertainment and a minimum of serious instruction. It is scarcely possible in most places to get anyone to attend a meeting where the only attraction is God. One can only conclude that God's professed children are bored with him for they must be wooed to meeting with a stick of striped candy in the form of religious movies, games, and refreshments. Any objection to the carrying carryings on of our present golden calf Christianity is met with the triumphant reply and listen to this, but we are winning them. And then Tozer asked this question and winning them to what? To true discipleship, to cross carrying, to self-denial, to separation from the world, to, uh, from, to separation from the world, to crucifixion of the flesh, to holy living, to nobility of character, to a despising of the world's treasures. Let me stop there. I mean, Offering people money and Xboxes if they bring a gift is that not is that not just putting before them the worldly worldly treasures? Anyway, Tozer keeps going to hard self discipline, to a love for God, to total committal to Christ. Of course, the answer to all these questions is no. Period. Close quote. Wow. Right on the nose. And That's how it. old is, how old is that quote? At least oh. what fifty years, maybe. At least, yeah, that? yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, absolutely, goodness, dude, that that, that could have been written yesterday. Yep, could, could have been written yesterday, and yeah, you know, one of the things that, golly, um, that I said in there to someone was, um, what you win them with is what you win them to, right? And I got and I got that from from Doctor James White. What you win them with is what you win them to. So if you win them with right. gimmicks to draw them in, then no, um, please be quiet. I'm on the phone. Then uh, th- th- what are you going to have to do the next time in order to keep them coming back? How much more do you have to raise the bar? Right. And so what happens once you've raised it so high that you can't you can't raise it anymore? Then what? Then they're going to stop coming. Yeah, what, what you what you win them with is what you win them to, and this idea of all this entertainment, right? Um, I've said this before. Why do we need entertainment? We need entertainment when we've grown bored with God. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, and that's um, that's a scary place to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about that, if you, if you're bored, if you're bored with the creator of the universe, the one who, who spoke the stars into existence, if you're bored with, uh, uh, goodness, just fashions, the sunset that, uh, didn't lift a finger with creation. If you're bored, look, if you're among the elect, you are adopted in, as Paul said. You have, in spite of your own depravity, 
and wretchedness, been rescued. You have been resurrected. You have had your dead, stony heart replaced with a heart of flesh. You have been brought into the fold of God, the family of God. Jesus Christ went to the cross, lived the life that we could not, died the death that we deserved, and then rose to defeat death and is seated at the right hand of God. He ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God and interceding for you right now. What else do you need him to do for you? Right. What? What? What, what, what else do you need him to do? This is, I, I don't understand this. What, what, what else could make him more attractive to you? What, what is it that Christ doesn't have that you say, you just got to have more in order to get me? Okay, what is it that Christ doesn't possess that is not attractive as he is already? You. If that's not enough to make you fall on your knees, if that's not enough to create this yearning and desire for you to worship him with all of your life, even though you will fail and fall short and you will, just like I said earlier, stumble over your own two feet. If that's not enough, if you, if you don't desire to master his book, his word, living active word from cover to cover, then what he, what he doesn't possess most likely is you. Mm-hmm. And that should terrify you. Yeah. I mean, it, it should. And so, I mean, look, and, and just kind of wrapping up and this has been freestyle. Neither one of us had any kind of notes. I, I pulled up some quotes that I knew I had and, and um, from a previous episode that we did, but that, that, that applied to what we're talking about, especially that Tozer quote and the Watson quote. But um, look, we've been a part of student ministries. We said this before. Um, we're not seeking to vilify. We're just seeking to, our desire is to just, we hope that the Lord would use this to, to even if it's, there's just one person that, that, that goes, you know, maybe we need to think about this again and we need to scour the scriptures according to the scriptures and not our own frameworks again, when it comes to how we approach right. churches well, and ministries thing, that we're involved with. How many churches that have youth ministries, like in this meme, like we've been talking about, and they don't have the, the biblical example of older men discipling younger men, older women disciple, discipling younger women, right? They, I, can, I can tell you right now, they don't have them. Mm-hmm. So they're already bringing in something that's not biblical and rejecting something that is or not doing something that is. Right. So why don't we get rid of the thing that's not biblical and we actually institute the thing that is? Yeah, because like I said, you, you know, when I gave that 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 thought experiment, which group is going to mature mentally and spiritually at a higher level and faster rate? It's going mm-hmm. to be the ones who are actively being discipled, and some are going to give the 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 example. They're going to go, "Well, that's what youth ministry is. It's older people discipling younger people." Okay, no, 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 it's not. It's not because the people you have that are serving. Most of them don't know anything. They don't. They're not qualified to lead. Okay. 
They, they, they don't understand doctrines that are being talked about. So they're, they're actually not doing they're, they're All they are is they're volunteering as a babysitter. That's what they're doing. They're not yeah. helping. They may yeah. help control things. So things don't get out of hand, but they're not actually helping. So get rid of the golden calf. It's okay to let it go. Okay. It's okay to go, you know what? I, okay. Let me, let me give personal story. Okay. Cause someone made the comment that I, someone that I, that I love and respect. She was basically like my mama too. Okay. She pointed out to me that I grew up in the youth ministry sort of, cause I didn't go, start going to church till I was 16, but you know, um, but grew up in the youth ministry. Okay. And, and the whole point was, you know, look at where I am now and how much I know now. But now the youth ministry, that pastor, who is now the senior pastor of that church, he was the first person to give me the gospel. Okay? And I am so thankful for that. Yeah. But at the same time, when I was in youth ministry, I could have cared less about the messages, about the worship. It was about going. We had the pool table. We had the foosball table. We had everything. And it was just a big hangout. Okay. I really didn't apply myself in learning anything. Now, when I look back, I go, man, I remember these messages he gave and the games that he gave, he actually, they tied into the message of, you know, that was pretty clever. That was pretty right. cool. Right. I, right. At the time, I didn't get it because I, I didn't care. I wasn't there for that as a, as a high schooler. Then what happened? Well, I went to college ministry. Okay. What did I learn in college ministry? I didn't learn anything. I had to learn on my own outside of those ministries. It was outside mm. of it because I, I didn't go to reformed churches. Same. Okay. I didn't, we weren't taught doctrine. We weren't taught justification by faith. We weren't taught regeneration. We weren't taught um, about the sovereignty of God. We weren't taught about holiness. Okay. I had to learn all of these things outside of those. So while, yeah, I have grown up in there. They didn't benefit me. And I have a similar, similar background, brother. The Lord saved me at 18. And, um, and uh, I immediately got plugged into student ministry and um, cause I didn't have one. And, and, and so I, you know, uh, but it was, yeah, I, I'm with you. There wasn't uh, there wasn't growth there. It was outside of there. It was the individual discipleship where I grew the, or grew, grew, listen to me. <laughs> I didn't learn how to talk, uh, that I grew the most. Words are hard. Words are difficult. Learn a book. Um, a book. so, um, but the same man, the same. And it's, you know, pr pragmatism and normative, uh, you know, normative, I, I think it was Vody Bauckham in that message, the pain and peril of pragmatism that you referenced in that post. I referenced he, two Vody messages. Yeah, they're phenomenal. One, one was on pragmatism; the other was on actual youth ministry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put them in the show notes. But, uh, but he says, um, you know, uh, normative worship says this pleases me. I will give it to God as worship, or worse yet, this pleases lost people. So we'll give it to God as worship. Whereas regulative worship says, I will look and investigate and listen and hear exactly what God says. He delights in worship and I will give him that because my starting point in worship is not man 
or what satisfies him, but God and what satisfies him. And, and, and he said, and again, I said, this is not just wrong, but it's dangerous. And then he references second Samuel six and the story of Uzzah and the fact that, you know, that the reason that Uzzah ended up, the Lord killed Uzzah was because of David's pragmatism. It was David's pragmatism that had the Ark of the Covenant on a cart instead of being carried, it being carried in the prescribed way that the Lord had already, it already given. So that's all we're saying is we need to approach not just, not just what we do on the Lord's day, but every day in our individual lives, but then corporately as the, in, as the church, we need to approach everything that we do being regulated by the scriptures, period. And, and that was, that was Drew's whole point in that post. And that's our whole point in this, in this episode is just looking at it according to the scriptures. Is that necessary and prescribed according to the Bible? Right. So that's simple. It's that simple. It's that simple. So, um, I mean, it's not meant to be hard, you know, (laughs) it's meant to be easy. Like it's meant to be easy to follow. It's like, you know who complicates it? We do. Because we go, you know what? Mm, I think I need this and that and the other thing. And let's just pile all this on top. And then everyone goes, well, what happened? You happened. That's that's what happened. You happened. Get rid of all the garbage. Okay. And just keep it simple. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it look, let me, let me, let me wrap us up with, with a couple of Bunyan quotes, man. I've been, you know, I've been reading some John Bunyan lately. Um, but he said this um, in uh, his book, uh, a vindication of, of the book called Some Gospel Truths Opened. Bunyan says this, quote, obedience to the law is the fruit of our believing. Period, close quote. Obedience to the law is the fruit of our believing. And ultimately, when it comes down to what we do as believers inside and outside the church as, as adopted sons and daughters of God, we should be living our lives according to the word of God because of our fear of God. We've, we've done a whole episode on the fear of God. So I have this last quote, and then I'll turn it over to you, and then we'll wrap it up. But it was, uh, it's uh, Joel, Dr. Joel Beakey um, in his book, uh, John Bunyan in the Grace of Fearing God. He said this, quote, the fear of the Lord cannot leave us indifferent to the word of God. When we fear him, we sense the infinite weightiness of his word. Truth becomes a matter of life and death. Period. Close quote. What you got, man? Amen. You know, I just want to leave really with one more, one more kind of example because I have, I have two young kids, right? I've got Lawson and Rhett. Lawson's two. Rhett is six months, five months, six months, Mm -hmm. something like that. Somewhere around there. Okay. Now Lawson has a hard time learning um, because he doesn't really have anyone that he's looking to, to cling to in order to, to help grow him. Right now he's got me, like we do a lot of stuff and he's come a long way. Um, But he's also, you know, he's with, um, you know, his aunt, he's with his grand, his grandparents and stuff. And those help because everyone plays a part in growing him up. Mm-hmm. And so one thing I might teach him is different than something someone else might teach him. And so you have this community that's helping raise him, a mature community that's helping raise him. Mm-hmm. Well, Rhett, when it comes time for Rhett to do those things, what's he going to do? He's going to look to Lawson. 
And he's going to mature at a faster rate than Lawson did. In the church, we need to have the same thing. We need to get rid of the youth group. And we need to have the younger, immature believers looking to the older, mature believers so that they can learn how to function in the church like a mature adult, so that they can learn how to properly handle God's word, so that they can learn proper hermeneutics, so that they can learn theology, so that they can learn what it looks like practically as an adult to live holy lives. I guarantee you, if we were to do that, oh my goodness, we would, we, we would have so many mature young people, right? I, I'm trying to think of <laughs> examples that aren't bad. We wouldn't, I don't think we would have so many people leaving the church. We wouldn't have people that are so cl- clung to the world that want worldly things that, that want to go do drugs mm-hmm. because, because they're being taught regularly how to be mature. They wouldn't, they wouldn't go off as teenagers becoming parents as teenagers. Okay. Because they're being taught how to live holy lives. Yeah. And there may be somewhere, you know, sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, how many of these youth groups, dude, like do kids are, are they off somewhere doing something they shouldn't be doing? Right. And that speaks to the lack of discipleship at home and everything else. And there may be some out there that say, that say, Hey, you know, um, you know, Chris, well, you know, you're, you're reformed. So you're reading your framework into that. Well, and if, if they're among the elect, then they won't truly fall away. Right. Isn't one of your favorite verses, first John two nineteen, And it is, um, but that doesn't absolve. And, and, and look, the sovereignty of God in salvation and sanctification does not absolve us of our responsibility to, to obey his, his prescribed commands. That that's not the way that works. It isn't, uh, again, that's, that's tiptoeing along the lines of antinomianism. Um, I can just do whatever I want. God's going to save me and forgive me anyway. Um, you know, we, we can operate in a youth group. And so what if someone falls away? If they're truly among the elect, the Lord will bring them back. Yeah, that's true. But that doesn't absolve us of our responsibility to be obedient to his word. That's right. I just, I just wanted to quantify that. Yeah, that's right. So, all right, man. That was a good one. Yeah, let's get out of here, dude. Oh, by the way, yep. uh, you know, matter of theology, you know, We've been neglecting this for a while, but we don't want to neglect Christian podcast community, you know? Oh yeah. Go check them out. Yep. Those are those are our friends over there. And you can catch me and Chris every now and then on a Thursday night on Apologetics Live. So, sometimes. Uh, sometimes, yeah. Um, but check them out. They've got a lot of good podcasts, especially one of our favorites, Voice of Reason, Chris Honholtz, Richard Story. They tackle a lot of good stuff. Uh, man, they got one on winsomeness. Yeah, I got to listen to that. Winsomeness. They always do good stuff, man. <laughs> so I just wanted to throw those plugs in there. <laughs> we, can, we can close out now. Man, nice. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Matter of Theology. We'll catch you on the next one. Good day. <laughs>